guys uh welcome to another episode of rakindi um where we're looking at a whole holistic approach to life um to live a life well well experienced so today we've got praveena uh from focus and flow yoga and uh praveena welcome and yeah thanks for being here oh thank you so much alexa for having me no i always love chatting with you and um no it's just great to be on this podcast and being able to just share our views and um, engage more listeners as well awesome awesome so Pravina, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and um you know what got you into yoga yeah, sure. So yoga is something that I've actually been doing all my life. So from a young age, from 11 years old, my parents got me into yoga. So um, back when I was in school in India, um, we used to have it as part of our extracurriculars where we used to do yoga on a regular basis. And it was just a part of life, really. Um, and then when I moved over here to Australia as an adult, um, just to pursue my higher studies, um, I sort of lost touch with it because, you know, when you don't have that connection, that environment and the people to, I guess, keep you accountable, um, you sort of find your own ways and um, just start doing things your way. And then it was late night coffees and studying and hangouts. So things just got a little bit different. Life got a little bit different. Um, but no, and then consciously I made it an effort to bring yoga back into my life. And that's when I noticed my, you know, everything was just so much more smoother that way. And it's almost like I had the need for yoga to keep me sane and stable. Um, and things just, yeah, started picking up again. Things were going the way I wanted to and um, I then started thinking you know why not why do I just keep yoga as a hobby because some of my friends um, wanted to do yoga with me so we used to go hike up a mountain do some yoga there and then when they shared their experiences I had other people reach out to me who um, I didn't really know but I got them involved in yoga as well and it sort of just spread that way very organically and um yeah and then I just thought well I'm going to make it more formal and start teaching professionally and um I sort of did my yoga teacher training it was more so again just for myself with that intention just so I could get that deeper understanding about um yoga and you know, make it work for me uh, to be able to achieve other things in my life, just by incorporating all those yoga principles, just understanding it on a deeper level. Mm. Um, but I guess that sort of helped because then that sort of set up the platform for me to be able to set things up formally and start teaching others as well. And um, yeah, I've just found so much fulfillment and happiness through that, um, through helping others on their yoga journey and just mm. seeing them go through those transformations. It's been absolutely amazing. Oh, no, that's so beautiful to hear. And I think that journey for so many people is so um uh, eye-opening because um you know you realize yeah. that when you I think when you start off in a yoga practice it starts off so physical you know and it's all about okay I, I feel really stiff and you start stretching and you're like oh you know this starts to feel a lot nicer but it's still very physical and then after a while I think it's almost like I don't know if something clicks or it's a gradual softening where you start realizing that you're actually softening so much internal and that that journey of yoga I think is, is such a special journey for um for so many people who've embarked on it for so long, you know, and, and they've actually committed and um, it's so beautiful. Um, so uh, tell me a little bit about maybe the myths um, of yoga that, that you've um, experienced. Yeah, sure. So I think um, for a lot of people, um, you know, going based on what they see on social media, um, especially on Instagram, you see all these people twisted into pretzels, all these picture-perfect bodies. And I think that's what people sort of um, think what yoga is, just being able to contort yourself into all these weird positions. Whereas if you actually look at it, like asanas is only, I'd say, around 15 to 20% of what yoga actually is. Mm. So the asanas, which means the movement or getting your body moving, the whole intention behind that coming from a yoga perspective is just to 
try and ground you, try and stabilize you so that you can get into that meditative state. Mm. So that's what the intention behind the asanas are. So you don't necessarily need to do a handstand to become a great yogi. Like if you see most of the great yogis, they can sit down and within a few minutes, they can get into that deep meditative state, Mm. um, which is what the whole intention of yoga is. And the whole purpose of getting your body moving as an exercise or the asanas is again, just to get you into that state. Mm. So I think that's one of the biggest myths I see where people think that yoga is basically just movement. No, there's so much more to it. You know, there's pranayama, which is a component of it. So pranayama is basically all the breathing techniques. Mm. So just being conscious of your breath, the way you're breathing. Um, There's so many different techniques that can just um, speed up that process just to get you centered and grounded. Um, and then there's also the dhyana or the meditation component of mm. it as well. So, um, again, there's so many different types of meditation. Mm. Um, but I guess one of the most powerful meditations that I've ever experienced is the silent meditation where you do absolutely nothing. Mm. And sometimes that even goes on for days. Um, but, you know, we don't have the time for that in our modern society, but yeah. even just you know, half an hour to a couple of hours, it can just literally change your whole outlook on life. And yeah, so that's the thing. There's so much more to it. And, you know, I guess another myth is people often think that um, you have to isolate yourself from society and go climb up a mountain and, you know, meditate up there. But no, really, the only Zen you can find is the one that you find mm-hmm. in yourself, whether you're That's sitting it. in your room or meditating or, you know, taking a pilgrimage and going far away to all those holy places in India. So, yeah, it's like everyone has it within them. It's just mm-hmm. being intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone can be a yogi, really. Yoga is for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's the whole what it means yoga means union or oneness that is just beyond beyond beautiful because like uh externally there's so many uh stimulus and so many things that are catching your attention and particularly now with um the advancements of different apps and um you know technology that they're literally fighting for our attention you know and so um drawing that inside um is so important it's so important and it's like um you know people can go on that trip of like through external um uh, seeking seeking things externally you will always seek things externally so it's like oh well I would I want more and more and more and there's never enough whereas that whole internal is like hey I actually have everything inside here you know and, and I am okay I, I'm I'm this breath I am this moment and um, you know the impacts of reducing anxiety and uh, depression and all of these mental uh, emotions or, or mental um how would I put it like situations that you create um you know when you silence the mind it's it's a way to experience that that infinity that 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 wholeness that openness of um you know there's no limit by the mind it's beautiful 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 and then I'm sure you know and I'd love to discuss um, a lot of the benefits that come with pranayama breathing um you know what benefits would people be experiencing and um I know with meditation uh you you actually have cognitive um uh difference your your brain actually molds and and changes you know and particularly if you are meditating and focusing on empathy and the feeling of love can actually alter your brain to um experience more love and more empathy i mean it's profound it's profound Absolutely. And, you know, it's all linked to science because it's been proven that this pranayama um, and meditation, they, uh, there are scientists who have actually hooked people up to wires, so wires all around the brain, and they've actually tracked it. And they've just seen how the brain waves actually go into the delta state, which is mm. the more calm state. And sometimes all it takes is just a matter of seconds. So, that being able to have that power within us to just Mm. change the brain waves Mm. is actually astounding. And as long as, you know, it's just like little tools that we have in our pocket Mm. and they're so easy to use and you could do it anywhere, you know, Mm. all you have to allocate is even five minutes a day can work wonders as long as you make it a regular practice. Mm. Um, And that's why it's just so amazing. It's, it's, I guess it's, 
getting these profound results in simplicity. Mm, beautiful. And that's going back to that method you mentioned of like, I have to go somewhere, you know, I'm only when I'm in the most beautiful place in India, will I find the sense of importance or this uh, awakening, you know? And so um, people I'm sure, particularly now during COVID, we get so frustrated and they're like, ah, I have to wait for this moment when it's like, well, no, um, that's not, that's not the point. You know, that's not. Yeah. I do want to actually share a story about that. Please, you know, it's very please, interesting. Please. You brought that up. So um, I had this, uh, one of my um, yogis who come, who comes to do yoga or learn yoga with me. Um, but when I say learn, it's basically unlearning because mm. you're just dropping all of old layers, shedding all your, you know, preconceived notions and all of that. So um, I did ask him like, you know, so when was the last time you did yoga? And he was this really fit 20 something year old male. He's an arborist, obviously he's uh, has a lot of physical activity. Um, and he said, Oh, it was actually two years ago. And uh, that was in Bali when I was there on holiday and um, we went on this retreat and he just shared what a beautiful experience he had just going inward and, mm. you know, just feeling that real sense of peace. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So now what brings you here to yoga today? And then he's like, well, you know, COVID happened. So we can't travel anymore to go to yoga retreats and things like that and um and and he he was only a neighbor he was not that far away from where he and and it was so interesting because at the end of the class he shared that he actually felt the same way as he did two years ago in Bali so that's my point like all you have to do is just go inward you don't have to go to some fancy retreat in Bali to experience that Mm, so so profound and actually even on that topic as well um, you know my partner and I did a fair bit of traveling and um, during that I was like oh um, after a while it can become a trip where if you're not centered and happy within yourself no matter where you go or no matter what you experience you will not find that sense of, of uh, that discontent will remain there because you discontent so your external environment no matter how it looks like would keep that same feeling and then it's the same with um let's use uh, yoga as an example of, of, of a avenue to get you to a space of stillness and um you know happiness and absolute um just i am you know that that space of being then if you've cultivated that space of being no matter where you are no matter what your external environment you will feel that sense of love connection acceptance uh you know grounding um so it's that that, that importance of of cultivating that you know it's um particularly now during COVID, once again, when there's so much fear, you know, and I'm not saying it's, there's just, there's so much, so many unknowns, you know, never before in history we had a, an, a global pandemic where, you know, because of globalization, we're so interconnected at the moment. And so these are new um, areas that we are experiencing as a, a civilization or, you know, as a collective. And um, now more than ever, I think it's so crucial that people connect, people, you know, breathe, come back to presence, um, I mean, suicide rates have gone through the roof, you know, mental health has gone through, is mm. not doing well at all. So um, for those listening, really just um, try it, you know, uh, try getting into some yoga poses, um, you know, move that body around, uh, get into these beautiful different stretches and then sit and experience that, you know, that emanating um, feeling, that energy found. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we've all been through a tough patch. Like personally, I have been through a tough patch as well. You know, when I hit, I could say rock bottom in my life Mm. and um, like in general, I've always been this happy, positive person, but you know, life happens. Mm. Circumstances sometimes knock you down on your knees. And um, at that particular time, like um, I was shocked when my doctor diagnosed me with clinical depression and she prescribed some medication for me and um, that was a real eye-opener for me I'm like okay well you're the expert all right I think I need help I'll take it Mm. Um, and that was the time that was around the time when I got back into yoga I think that was the big kicker for me because I've never needed or I've never thought I'd be someone to go into depression because of the way I've always been you know just a optimistic person um so that's what really got me thinking back into you know okay so I was reflecting and just thinking well what were all those moments in my life when I was really happy and 
I noticed a lot of them was when with I was with my family and doing yoga with friends. And I, I just noticed that in a lot of those instances, being present, connected or doing yoga just kept showing up again and again. Mm. So I was like, all right, I'll start on this medication but I set a goal for myself um, that, you know, I'm not going to need this medication because I think I have the power within me to overcome this. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was why I got back um, very seriously into yoga, started going inward and, you know, try and identify where this root cause of depression was coming from and just noticing how my body felt just dropping out of my mind and into my body Mm. being present just observing just being and um and even practicing you know just practicing self-love divinity seeing the divinity in everyone Mm. and just going down to all the basics of yoga so um you know the Bhagavad Gita is like the yoga bible Mm. um which is basically like a a manual for how to live a good life. So I went back, picked up the Bhagavad Gita, started reading through there, you know, reminded myself of all the yogic principles. Um, you know, there's a lot, if you go into it, that's a whole different uh, podcast, but mm. there's all these yamas and niyamas and, you know, things about, um, you know, when you talk about nonviolence, you're not, it's not just about being nonviolent towards others mm. or other animals or objects, but it's also, practicing self-love is also Mm -hmm. a form of non-violence because you're not being violent or criticizing yourself Mm. or taking the blame for things so Mm -hmm. again that is something um, that I really looked into and just looked at my situation and practice and um, this might not work for everyone but this is just my personal story that I wanted to share and I was able to pull myself out of clinical depression and I didn't need medication after less than a month or so. So my doctor was quite um, happy with that as well. And I just proved again to myself something that I already knew. And since then I haven't, um, you know, left a break in my yoga practice. It's been quite consistent. Absolutely. Absolutely beautiful. And um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that's, I think definitely in situations, um, because like you said, we're all confronted with those um, rock bottoms or those challenging situations. And you can choose to either um, rise above that, see it, acknowledge it, heal it, um, you know, give yourself love, as you said, and then you, you, you move on to the next thing um, because there's always going to be something and you have a choice, I believe anyway, is to either let that um, crush you and bring you down. And that's when a lot of people would be stuck there you know, stuck in that woe is me, my life is really bad. Um, and, and they'll never be able to, everything will then cultivate that feeling and eventually they'll, they'll cripple down. But as soon as they start saying, hey, I can do this. Hey, I am enough. Hey, I am love. I'm enough. I'm love. I forgive. I'm, you know, forgiving myself, forgiving others, whatever it may be that you need to go through, then you, you, you transcend and then something else will happen. You go, okay, no, I love, I forgive. You know, I am enough. This is enough. And you transcend. And so nothing eventually would have any impact on you because you're saying, well, um, you know, I, I'm not letting this impact me. You know, how can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? How can I forgive, let go and move on? And, um, you know, that really classic example that a lot of people give is like, um, if you're carrying a, a bag and you're putting bricks in it, you know, and I, I use that analogy of like, you know, each situation is that brick that you're just holding on and, and people are like, oh, my life is so horrible you know why did these bad things happen and you realize that they're just carrying all of these situations Mm -hmm. on their back and they're carrying that with them no matter what they experience they're experiencing through the lens of the situations that they've had that have negatively impacted them but as soon as you drop the bag and you're like you know i'm in this present moment everything is i have air to breathe i have food to eat you know i have a roof over my head um i'm enough and i can get through this Profound, profound, profound. And particularly people in India, you know, where a lot of this, um, where yoga really originated, there is quite a lot of, um, you know, hardship and a lot of um, poverty, but yet so many people experience such peace and such um, release. I mean, it's beautiful, really beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, That just reminded me of a book that um, I've just recently read. It's called The Resilience Project. Yeah. So that actually talks about um, what you've just mentioned, Alexa. So Mm -hmm. 
um, that book was written by a Melbourne school teacher. Mm. So he actually visited uh, India. So and he was teaching in India and he noticed how all the kids, even though they're, you know, steep in poverty, like they have they're wearing tattered clothes and they've got just barely enough to eat. And, you know, they're walking to school barefoot and, you know, sharing one pencil among five people, but they have the biggest smile on their faces. They're always happy and, you know, cheerful. And then he compares it back to schools in Melbourne, where Mm. he's um, originally from. And there's his sister who is going through depression. She's got everything that money can buy. Mm. You know, she's got loving family. She's got everything she could ask for Um, she's talented but she was going through depression and that was really very puzzling for him Mm. and then he just created a whole project about you know did so much research and ultimately he narrowed it down to the happiness to how resilient you are so it's Mm. how it comes down to mindfulness being happy being grateful for what Mm. you have Mm. and having empathy so those are the key words that he just you know boiled it down to as to what gives you happiness beautiful beautiful and and coming back to even that gratitude I mean you've got people and I'm just using common names like Oprah Winfrey who um, has also once again experienced um, a huge trauma um, when she was younger Um, and she was saying when she was starting off in her career um, as being a talk show host she felt herself really drifting away from a lot of things and, um, you know, always having a thousand and one things. And she actually felt that she was quite un- unhappy. Um, and even though she was getting more money and everything, she was really not uh, mentally doing so well. And she um, started doing gratitude. So listing uh, 10 things every day that she was grateful for, um, you know, and it can, if you are in a really bad state mentally, sometimes that can be quite challenging, you know, but it's saying, okay, well, I'm grateful that I've got a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I have a really beautiful plate of food. I'm grateful that, um, you know, I, let's say, can study or, or whatever, whatever you can find, you build that and build that. And once again, it changes your view of life. You know, the brain works through perception. You know, if you've got so much stimulus around, your brain can't focus on everything at once. So it zones in on what you think is a salient stimulus, something that's interesting. And that's the lens that you, you view life through, you know. And so um, if you're altering that and saying, hey, I find that what I'm grateful for exists, you'll start seeing that everywhere because now it's become a salient stimulus, something that you are interested in. And all of a sudden you're looking around you and like, man, how could I possibly have, um, how can I be experiencing such a beautiful life? And the only difference is that awareness, you know, that altering your your mental chatter. And and we can talk a little bit more about the monkey mind and your uh, knowledge on that because, you know, essentially that's just your mind going on and on and on about the everyday discussions and really just focusing on on calming that because it's, it's chatter. It's not, it's not real. You know, it's like chewing gum <laughs> that people chew incessantly and don't realize that it's old. It's old. It doesn't need to be re, re-chewed. That's it. So the body needs movement. The mind needs stillness. Mm. So oh, they just work. Beautiful. Oh, that's ways. beautiful. I love that. I love that. So yeah. the, the mind needs stillness and the body needs movement. Love. Yeah. And when you can, you know, get both of them in harmony that's when all your seven chakras are aligned and you'll find that your life is in perfect harmony so yeah I mean it's definitely easier said than done with Mm. the monkey mind that you know just keeps going on all different things but there's a lot of um, beautiful guided meditations that help Mm. with just calming you down just to help you focus Mm. um especially just even little simple visualizations that you can do. So, you know, just being there and just observing all of these thoughts just flying around in your head and, you know, you can compartmentalize them. So just visualize yourself putting this thought, okay, I'm going to, I observe this thought, Mm. I'm going to put it into this little bubble and then I'm just going to let it float away into the universe. And, you know, you just focus on one thought at a time, just let it evaporate. And slowly you will just boil down, come down to just your pure self, just your present moment Mm. where nothing else matters. You know, you can always come back to all these thoughts later, bring that bubble back and attack it then. But for the moment, we all sometimes just need that little bit of peace and Mm. quiet. 
Um, and, and that's the thing, like meditation is not just to help you feel calm. It's also to improve your productivity. Mm. So it's not just for people like retirees or, you know, um, people who have all the time in the world. No, if you don't have 20 minutes a day to meditate, or if you say, oh, I don't have time for that, like those are the kind of people who should be meditating because Mm. then your productivity is going to go up. So, you know, even if it's just five minutes, 20 minutes is the ideal number, but even if it's just five minutes of just observing your thoughts, you know, just composing yourself, just grounding yourself, just centering yourself. Mm. When you get your brain in that delta, in the, you know, in the correct brain waves level from alpha to delta, and when you're able to maintain your brain waves there, that's when you find that you just manifest all these things. And sometimes you can expect miracles when you're just in that really calm, relaxed state. You will actually surprise yourself when the things that you just think about just eventuate and just happen. So that's just how the mind works. The mind is really powerful. So there's the physical body, which you have, and then there's your energy body, which is equally important as well, and but which is not recognized as much. Mm, no, very interesting. Well, actually, yeah, with the um, brainwaves, I think it's from the age of zero. Uh, so when you're born up until about seven, you predominantly focused uh, or you predominantly are in that delta uh, brainwave pattern because you, you're learning so much. So your brain is subject to a lot of plasticity naturally. Um, and so you're taking in a lot more information. And then as That's you get right. older, the brainwaves start to um, soften because, or they, they shift to that firmer state, like you're saying, because you've got, you've got an understanding of everything. So you're like, okay, I know what this is, you know, I'm not going to, and so then you, you start to alter. But when you go back into meditation, I think it, it, it allows you to uh, reopen so that you can become a lot more aware of your different surroundings and then you're increasing that um, plasticity. So, um, and, and that learning. Um, and so when you're talking about productivity as well, um, you know, when you are, when you've got a thousand and one things going on in your mind and you're like, oh, well, I should go to the shop and I should do this and I should do this. You can't really focus on that one thing. You know, that one thing in front of us of, um, you know, us having this conversation is a little bit more challenging because there's a thousand thoughts of my, in my mind going, bee, 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 bee. whereas mm. when you meditate, you are removing those thoughts. You're allowing yourself to be present, to really engage in this conversation, engage in what you're saying. Um, engage in, in what I'm saying and then from there you can make conscious decisions so if you're a CEO you know let's say you're a top executive and there's you know you've got to make these really intense decisions um, through meditation through stilling the mind you can actually be better aware to make the best decision possible because your mind is not going at a thousand and one places um, so I can totally agree yeah. yeah and I think that's why you know the CEO is actually the chief emotions officer. Oh, that's cool. not only executive officer. Yeah, yeah. Just bringing in, you know, just to make it. I think what you've shared is beautiful, but just to even make it more layman terms. To, I'm going to use the analogy. It's just like a race car. So you know, to be able to go on high speed as a race car on the track, even race cars need to stop at pit stops. Mm. Like you have to completely just stop. You need to refuel. You need to check everything, make sure everything's okay, check all the nuts and bolts. And when you take that moment to calm down and just focus, reanalyze, just be centered, you don't have to do anything. So you're just like the person who's in the race car or the race car itself does nothing. You're just pausing there mm. just to allow, you know, thoughts to come in. So you're when you're in that really deep meditative state, your intuition or your third eye chakra opens up. Mm. And sometimes that may provide you with insights that you may not be able to get by putting on paper or strategizing 20 different ways to achieve something. Mm. Sometimes intuitions just come to you and that might be the best answer. So that's just the analogy that helps you understand why to go faster. Mm. Sometimes you just need to stop and be still. Yeah. Oh, fun. Well, um, actually, while we're on the, the topic of chakras, do you mind telling everybody a little bit about each of the chakras that you have in your body and um, what they do and how they work? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll simplify it. So what chakras basically are, are energy centers in your body. Mm. So 
if you go in depth, there's more than 141 different chakras, but we'll keep wow. it simple yeah. and we'll just concentrate on the seven basic chakras. So the first um, chakra is the root chakra. So that's right at your pelvic area and that's red in color. So all these energy centers, they're associated with different areas in your life as well. Mm. So the root chakra is um related to your stability, your groundedness, and, um, you know, all of those really deep and basic needs that we have. So survival mode, basically. So if for any reason your survival mode is attacked, you'll find that your base chakra may be blocked or may not be spinning freely. And it's really, really easy to, you know, unblock your chakras or get it moving again. So even if you have certain yoga poses that you're doing that where you're practicing opening up your hips and you know stretching your legs apart like all of those even just help with grounding down your or getting your base chakra spinning nicely again and then there's the sacral chakra so that's orange in color that's just below your belly button Mm. and that area is responsible for your creativity um, your sexuality and all of those, you know, freely flowing water activities, water element activities. Mm. Um, and then you have your solar plexus chakra. So that's just above your belly button. That's yellow in color. And that sort of determines how driven you are, how motivated, how goal oriented you are, um, you know, whether you're focused on your dharma or your life purpose, um, all of those things. And then moving up, you have your heart chakra, which is green, which is just in your rib space, you know, your heart space. Um, I think a lot of people are already familiar with that. It's just how loving you are, not just giving love, but also how open you are to receiving love. And um, you'd be surprised how just little things can, you know, block that temporarily even. Um, but even the fact that you just, you know, just sit, imagine yourself sitting in meditation and just imagine like a green light coming through you from the top of your head. Mm. And even something as simple as that can open up your heart chakra. So, you know, it's just so many different ways that you can um, work on to change your life just by mm. focusing on your own energy. Yeah. So, to, to understand, so if, let's say, for instance, you wanted to um, enhance your creativity, let's use that one, then would a, a good technique be to sit in meditation and focus on that region? Or how would you say that you can activate those different chakra areas? Yeah, so if we go to the creativity example that you brought up, so that would be your sacral chakra. Mm. So there's lots of different avenues that you can explore with that. So um, what I usually do um, in my Reiki sessions is I I combine the Reiki and yoga modalities. So I'd first start with a full questionnaire. So sometimes they can be um, a lot of deep questions, just asking about, um, you know, certain areas in your life that may affect your, um, your creativity area. So you know, even I may even ask you a question as simple as, um, you know, what is something that you've done in the last week that brought out that creative streak in you? Mm. And if I find the sacral chakra is blocked, 10 times out of 10, it'll be like nothing. So wow. there you go. Wow. So go, go, pick up some paint brushes and some paint, do a painting, you know, or even cooking. Cooking is engaging your creativity. Make up mm. your own dish that's engaging your creativity. Mm. So just little things like that. Or again, with the sacral chakra, there are some certain yogasanas that can help to activate and open up that particular chakra as well. Mm. Or, you know, just to get that really holistic view of it. I even say, go and eat all your orange veggies, go eat more carrots, oranges, you know, all of those things. And you'll find the combined effect of all of these can bring some really great and immediate results. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. And your, your crown chakra, how could you um, activate that and what, what would be the benefit of your. Yeah. Yeah. So the crown chakra is the one on the top. That's just on the top of your head. Um, So we'll come to that. I think we were at the heart. So the one after heart is then your throat. (laughs) So the throat chakra again um, is responsible for uh, speaking your truth. If you're speaking Mm. your truth, you're not holding back then your throat chakra will be spinning nicely. And then coming above that is your intuition, which is your Mm. third eye, that area just between your eyebrows. So that's responsible for, um, 
you know, how intuitive you are. Like, do you listen to your gut? Because your gut's related to your intuition. So, you know, drop into your body. Just notice how your body is feeling. If you're in a particular situation and you find like, you know, there's knots in your stomach or your mouth is going dry, Mm. you know that something's not right. Your body's trying to tell you. You already know. So get yourself out of that situation as quickly as you can. You know, it's just listening to your intuition And once you have all of these, you know, you're focusing on all of these, your crown chakra or your consciousness is like one of the, it's just basically how you connect to the universe. So it's basically where the divine energy from the universe is coming into your body and just spreading through all the other chakras. Oh, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, wow. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And yeah, I mean, going to that whole, um, you know, when you can feel the universe kind of resonating through you, um, I think there was this, and I could please correct me if I'm wrong, um, I'm sure it was in the uh, Bhagavad Gita or maybe there's another book where there was a, a god and um, he was like a spider or something and he had his spider webs all over uh, the universe. And um, I mean, this is going back, you know, years and years and years and years and years ago, Um, whereas now uh, with our understanding of the universe and understanding of how things work, you know, it almost is like, you know, there's this uh, field uh, that is connecting everything, you know, and even looking at each of our particles, what we're made of, as Carl Sagan said, you know, we're made of of stardust, we're made of the same things that the universe is made of, Um, you know, as soon as you had the Big Bang, you know, everything was compressed into one tiny little point and then it exploded outwards and everything that has ever existed and is currently existing came from that one speck. So did we, you know, and, and obviously I don't know a huge amount about quantum physics, but, um, you know, if you have a particle and you have to um, separate it, you know, there's that entangled particle where one particle will start to act or respond uh, based on what the other half is doing. So if you agitate the one, the other one will respond no matter how far they are apart. And so you think, well, that has to work if they were once joined. And so in some level, were we not all once joined? You know, if, if we came from a single point to a single origin, um, you know, we are all joined and yet um, we feel so isolated. And I think that that's where that whole uh, coming into that crown chakra and, and, and feeling that um, and, and grounding yourself through the root chakra, grounding yourself to your environment, you are... Um, re-establishing or remembering that you're not separate from everything else you know you're not separate from everything else Uh, so I I totally agree with what you're saying yeah and I think there's a lot of science to uh, back that up especially with um, you know people doing more research into that so um, absolutely like everything in the universe is comes down to a cellular level so Mm -hmm. you know when we work with reiki like it's all about energy work Mm -hmm. and um it's this is something that i'm very passionate about and i'm looking at um spreading awareness and you know taking it on a really higher level here in queensland as well but there is a a a cancer hospital in Perth that now recognizes Reiki and they actually offer Reiki to palliative patients in the hospital so they have a separate board for that and it's all recognized and you know they've accepted it because they have seen the astounding results so you know just that energy work and being able to you know, channel that energy from the universe and pass it on to these cancer patients. They've found that a lot of them have even cured themselves and doctors can't explain it, but they know it works. So they've added that as an adjunct at their hospital. So, you know, I'm not saying don't see your doctors, of course, you know, you have to get whatever treatment, but if you combine that with the energy of, um, you know, the power of Reiki or channeling that energy and, just doing things this is something that you can even do inward you know just be able to channel that energy into yourself as a healing meditation you will see astounding results and I've seen personally I've, I've got so many stories to share with um, my loved ones as well who've been able to you know astoundingly cure themselves out of cancer and other things or you know for a certain period while they're getting other treatment and it's the cancer's just gone all of a sudden and they've just surprised themselves. Wow. Wow. That's phenomenal. And so for um, those who are listening, I do want to dive a little bit more into Reiki. And um, so just the fundamentals of um, how it works. And Yeah. Yeah. So Reiki is basically, um, it's just channeling energy. So as a Reiki master, um, 
you know, what I can do is like when I give someone Reiki as part of a session, all I'm doing is just channeling the Reiki energy or the energy from the universe. And then I pass it on to um, whoever needs it. Um, so it's, it, there's the way that I practice Reiki. So there's no touching. It's just placing my hand, hovering my hand over your body. And Reiki can't do any damage. But the person receiving the Reiki should be open enough mm. and willing to receive it to allow that energy to go into their body. And it goes and flows exactly where it needs to. Mm. So Reiki can't do any damage and um, it works differently for different people. Some people might not feel anything. Some people might just feel really relaxed. Some people can actually feel like um, a heat sensation, certain parts of their body or like a tingling sensation. So everyone experiences it differently, but um, basically everyone has that power to channel that energy within themselves and if it's someone external like myself, if I'm providing or channeling that Reiki energy and giving you that energy, I also protect my own energy. So I do cut the cords at the end of each session so that it's not draining or taking away my energy as well. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, actually, um, a little story. When I was growing up, my mother, uh, she used to practice Reiki on us. And, um, I mean, I was so quite quite young. And all I really remember is um, just so much heat and so much love. You know, she would... She just, um, like you were describing, place her hands, um, you know, about that far away from my body. And um, I would just feel immense, immense um, love, connection and heat, actual warmth. Um, so beautiful. And I, I, I really believe that that sort of connection is um, one of those things that can really open up your heart chakra as well, because it's, it's opening up your connection to other people, um, opening up that, that love, exactly. that, you know, healing. Um, and that's so cool that they're actually um, establishing that in different uh, mm. different hospitals because yeah yeah it's slowly gaining um, recognition and I think that's a great step forward. Mm, mm. Well, I mean, definitely from a, a stress factor, you know, um, if your body is in a high amount of cortisol for an extended period of time, um, you know, that can be so detrimental because you're in a fight or flight. So how can your cells really repair? Um, or, or divide properly when it's in a, do I have to run away? You know, what's going on? Um, whereas as soon as you are, are calm, relaxed, your body can have time to heal. Um, and I, I can fully see that uh, when you're in a space of somebody uh, sitting there, uh, putting their healing hands um, above you and, and really feeling that energy, that love, um, you know, that would be so relaxing for that individual when they're going through so much stress. Um, I couldn't even imagine the intensity of chemotherapy you know, and the, the impact that has on your body. And so coming to, um, you know, you love, feel that love, calm down, you're okay. Um, I can I can totally see how that would benefit somebody um, so much, so much. So, and it's, it's cool because you can kind of see that um, uh, medicine's done a loop where, you know, we, we started off with these fundamentals um, and these basics of, you know, uh, love, acceptance, uh, calming, um, you know, using a lot of natural medicine. Um, and then we switched to being um, hyper- into um pharmaceuticals and you know drugging everyone and so on which i'm saying is not good or bad you know in some situations it can be very helpful um and whereas now i think we're kind of seeing and it's almost like a pendulum uh, we're seeing that pendulum swinging a little bit more where people are now retaking in those um, original basic approaches and saying well how can i actually do this naturally and, and how does this feel on my body and you know how does this look and you know if people need it then okay cool let me um supplement that with some pharmaceuticals but not saying hey I'm only going to be using this and, um, you know, I'm, I'm discarding uh, nature and discarding uh, what we have right here and now. And I think that's pretty cool that people are, um, are noticing that. And, and physically, you can see people, how happy they are. And, you know, um, I actually had this woman um, come in. I've got this uh, little stall and uh, she was an 89-year-old lady. Um, she came and she was shoulders back, walked so, so beautifully in, um, slim body, and she was like, I, I actually, I thought she was about 65. And she was just like, you know, if, if anybody comes in and, and has a chat to you, I really want you to let them know that um, yoga has changed my life. You know, she's been doing it for 50 whatever years. And um, she says that she can attribute her, um, the way she walks, the way she moves, compared to all of her other colleagues and people um, in her age, same age group, you can't even compare. You cannot even compare. And she said it, she only really has yoga to thank for that. And um, I thought that was brilliant like damn you know if um if people in their 80s you you can have some people who who look like their body is just deteriorating 
and they're really struggling um, and people who are so open and can do amazing things, amazing things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's because yoga, it, you know, it helps. It affects your body, mind and soul level. Mm. So it mm. takes into factors the whole package. So, yeah. Mm. And uh, there was another one of um, how you attach emotional trauma to your physical body. So like, let's use even stress, for example, you're sitting all day and you, you each time you get stressed, you, you tense your shoulders. Now your body is attaching that tense shoulders to being stressed. Um, and so and then it can mm. invoke that. Even if you're doing this, it can invoke that, that whole muscle memory. And so when you are spending time to relax that, you know, stretch that out, now you're in a relaxed state. So now your body is going to start feeling relaxed. You're going to start feeling relaxed. Mm. And you've released whatever you were holding onto that had been associated with those different um, muscle groups. Um, and so that you can fully embrace that moment. And that, I, I don't know if you have anything more to add on the healing element um, of yoga from your practice or... Yeah, I think um, what you've just touched upon, so the yoga nidra meditation, you know, you have the power to heal yourself. So all you do is you're just lying down and um, this can be a guided meditation or you can just do it in silence where you're just focusing on literally each and every part of your body, starting from the top to the bottom. So even if it's just your eyelid or, you know, your tongue, your inner cheeks, and just working your way down all the way to each and every toe and finger. Mm. And, you know, that's just the deepest form of relaxation that you can have while being conscious. That means when you're not sleeping. So if that's something that you can practice just before going to bed, your quality of sleep will increase dramatically. Wow. And, you know, if you have a good quality of sleep, your body's naturally healing yourself as you sleep. So quality of sleep, again, is a great way to heal yourself. Mm, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure there's uh, quite a few monks, mainly in Southeast Asia, I think, who uh, they actually reduce their sleep. I think it's just something like four hours. But because mm-hmm. they meditate all day, they actually don't need that additional sleep. It's kind of like that. Absolutely really- correct. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No, that's-, that's so true. And I've experienced that from my personal practice as well. Really? Yeah. Just doing a 20 minute meditation during the day. And I feel my energy levels are much higher towards the end of the day. Like you won't feel as tired towards the end of the day anymore. It just keeps mm. me going for longer. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, the different types of um, yoga, because I understand you've uh, now got your, your own yoga studio. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, awesome. And so, so what sort of yoga do you guys uh, teach there? So the kind of yoga I don't do, uh, my focus is more on getting results. So through yoga and Reiki principles. So depending on what the intention of the person is. So I custom design all these classes, but I do a variety of different types of yoga. So uh, my personal favorite is vinyasa yoga, which is the more flowy style of movement. Um, But, you know, if to make it a bit more fun, sometimes I also do fly yoga, which is on a yoga hammock. Um, and uh, contrary to popular belief, people think, oh, that's more like acrobatics. I won't be able to do it. But no, that's actually much more supported and really good for people who have back issues because it actually supports you. So it helps you to get deeper into certain asanas or poses on the hammock when you're using the power of gravity and floating above the ground compared to when you do it on a yoga mat. So, you know, I really work out what's the best way to go about with that certain certain person. Mm. Um, or, you know, sometimes I have mums who want to, you know, involve their kids as well. Mm. And then, you know, kids aren't just going to do boring yoga, do this, do that. No, so I make it fun and engaging. So I do uh, partner yoga between the mums and sons. So I have a, a mum and son who join in and I drag my son in and get him to do it with me so that we can demonstrate how we can use each other's bodies to support ourselves and perform yoga. But we're doing it together. So we're getting our own exercise in and getting all the benefits but you're also strengthening the bond between yourself and your partner or your child or whoever you're doing the yoga with. So there's so many benefits to it. And um, basically with all my yoga classes, you'll find, yes, there's the asana or the moving component. Mm. There's always going to be the breathing component and the meditation component at the end, just Mm. so you can tie in all the results and um, 
you know, you get the full benefits of it. Um, and I think especially uh, being in Shavasana or meditating at the end yeah. is really important to tie your practice in together. Yeah. And I've noticed that's what's the missing component in a lot of yoga classes that are taught in gyms. Because, yeah. you know, while you're performing yoga, you can hear the loud banging and clanging of all the weights from next door. And then at the end, when the teacher tells you, okay, so now we're going to relax, lie down on your mat. And then you have all these busy uh, working people when just roll up their mats and rush out the door mm. without doing that last component. So I think you don't get the full benefits mm. if you leave bits and pieces out. Mm. That's, and that's actually a really good point uh, to discuss, you know, that, that, um, lying there at the very end and, and, and feeling all of the benefits um, because that's the whole point really um, of yoga is, is to get into that stillness, relax your body and, and, and get into that stillness. So totally, totally true. And um, so you now um, I understand that you've done a lot of things online. So you're doing a lot of classes and um, practices online. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I guess, um, you know, there are people who love coming in, but then due to whatever circumstances, um, even if they live locally or far away, people, I guess, going online and connecting virtually like how we are now um, is the way to go um, with the current COVID scenario and lockdowns and things. So I do have online classes and I also do um, like custom coaching. So I've just put myself out on all portals, just, you know, whatever is easy for people. Some people like watching YouTube videos. Some people like that structured um, content in the form of an app where they just go to that app and they can see all the meditation videos, mm. download their workbooks and, um, you know, even connect with the community within that app and things like that or there's people that just love to come in they just love that human touch and they love you know sharing bits about their life and how it's going how things are improving so whatever means um I guess the important thing is that we're able to maintain that level of connection mm. and it's a it's on a very personal basis one-to-one -one, so mm. it's not just um even when with the group classes they're all very small group classes mm. and um, I get to connect and it's just such a privilege to be able to connect with all these people and you know I get so much back from them as well like all that constant feedback is just a constant growth journey that um, we're totally loving. Beautiful beautiful and um, for people who want to find you where are the best ways and means for them to contact you because I mean I can imagine uh, this, is, this has been a beautiful discussion um, and you know yeah it'd be great to get involved. Absolutely. I would love for um, anyone who's listening to connect with me. So um, I'll send you the details of my website. So it's www.focusandflowyoga.org or I'm also available on social. So on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as Focus and Flow Yoga. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, I'll uh, link them all below. Um, so if anybody's interested in uh, reaching out to Pravina, um, you know, I'd highly recommend it. And um, even just Googling uh, Focus and Flow Yoga and getting involved in her whole online um, forum. If you guys are all over the world, um, you know, really finding time to uh, bring yourself to stillness. I mean, as we discussed, the benefits both physically and mentally is so profound and um, it's, it's growing in momentum that it's, it's hard to um, dismiss. Um, so uh, definitely get involved. And thank you so much, Pravina, for, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Alexa. It's been an absolute pleasure connecting with you. Namaste.